Good morning, Smithfield. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And we are about to embark on one of the most important, vital chapters in all of Scripture. John chapter 3 might be the apex of gospel truth. So I want us to lean in right now. It's a rainy day. It's a gloomy day. But the sunshine of gospel hope radiates out of this text. And I'm just praying that the Lord would be working in our hearts and that we would learn what happened to us if we are Christians in the new birth and that if we're not Christians, we would have God do something in our hearts to make us alive. Amen. So let's come before the Lord now and pray. Father, as we enter into this passage of scripture, Lord, who is able to plumb the depths of your holy word? Lord, it's like a, a sword that pierces the heart to the bone and the marrow. It's like a life-giving spring of water pouring out into the soul. It's like a beacon of truth. It's like a compass to guide us. It's, it's the life-giving Word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And we're born again by hearing the Word of Christ in the Gospel. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we enter the sacred time of the proclamation of the word of God, Lord, I just pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would hide me behind this text, and that this text would be unfolded in each and every one of our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we thank you, Lord, that when you speak, your spirit moves. And when you speak, your word comes with authority and conviction. And this text, this passage before us, we are desperately in need of the Holy Spirit to help us to taste and see what it's all about. So we pray now that you would move upon our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said these words, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, you must be born again. In other words, Jesus like draws a line in the sand and says, if you don't have this going on in your life, if you don't have new birth inside of you, if you don't have new life inside of you, if you haven't experienced a spiritual resurrection in your soul, you're lost. And you're without hope in this world. And you need that to happen in your heart. And so Jesus kind of just steps in to John chapter 3 and he encounters one of the most religious, well-known men in all of Israel. And he tells him, you're dead in your sins. 
and you're without hope unless you're born again. And he was the greatest teacher in Israel. And his name was Nicodemus. And we're going to kind of kind of come into this conversation like a fly on a wall and, and eavesdrop on what's going on here. And it's one of the most profound conversations in all of Scripture. And if you're a Christian, what Jesus describes in this passage is what happened to you. Whether you realize it or not, you were made alive by God when you believed the gospel. And your life was totally changed from that point. And new spiritual life to fight sin and to live for Jesus Christ is working in you to produce a new kind of person, a new kind of human being. And the old is past and the new has come. So Jesus just gets down to it, right? He gets right down to it in this chapter. And I want us to look at it and just step into it for a second and think about how profound this conversation is. Because one of the most religious men in all of Israel is about to hear from Jesus a word that's startling. And maybe it's a word we all need today. Whether it's a reminder of what happened or whether it's a warning like we need this new birth going on inside of us. So look at it with me in John chapter 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For nobody can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Now Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. And we're going to stop there. Jesus ends with a question to Nicodemus. He says, are you the teacher of Israel? He doesn't say a teacher. <clears throat> he says the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was the premier teacher of Israel. He knew the Old Testament law. He was, he was trained by the strictest sect called the Pharisees. He was the most conservative Jew you could think of, right? He was the religious right. He was a moral man. He was a man who had a moral compass guiding him. He was a man who revered the scriptures. He's a man who, who thought he loved the things of God. And Jesus is telling him, you don't know anything. In fact, you don't know the most fundamental need 
of humankind the need to be made alive spiritually. You don't realize how bad your problem is, Nicodemus. And all the religion in the world won't save you unless the life of the Son comes inside of your soul and makes you alive. And that's only going to happen if you recognize who I am and you believe in what I've done. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. It's been said that the main theme of Christianity is the life of God in the soul of man. The new birth. The chief need of humankind. Spiritually dead people need to come to life. You can't make a corpse do anything, right? You can read it. Scripture, you can teach it, you can give it religious activities, you can do all sorts of things to a corpse, but unless something happens supernatural to make it alive, it will remain dead. And that picture is just too much for Nicodemus to really get. I was just talking to somebody the other day who was struggling deeply and losing the battle of addiction to alcohol. And I walked up to this individual and asked how they were doing and said, I'm doing terrible. I'm not doing good at all. I'm enslaved to this stuff. And I cannot be set free from it. And the problem isn't more self-help. The problem isn't just exercise enough willpower the problem isn't just try to fix it in all these different ways and get a little bit more religion the problem is supernatural life has to come inside the problem is this man wasn't born again the problem is that Jesus when he's speaking to Nicodemus he's speaking to every one of us if we don't come alive to God we remain dead and lost forever heaven and hell hang in the balance in what we do with the new birth and the teaching that Jesus lays out here. And, and we have no chance at all to fight addiction or to fight our sins on any level if supernatural life does not come inside of us and change us from the inside out. And Jesus is going to show that a hundredfold to this Pharisee who thought he knew a whole lot. So the same thing that's wrong with the alcoholic is the same thing that's wrong with all of us apart from new the new birth. We're separated from God in our sins and we're dead spiritually and we need life. That's the Bible's teaching. That's what the Bible lays out to us, right? So let's look at it. We'll, we'll look at a couple things from this text and then I want to I wanna apply it in the end. And help us see just how radical this teaching is. Point number one. Without new birth, we just have empty religion. Without new birth, we just have empty religion. Look at it right here in verse one with me. Now there was a man... Of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God and nobody can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. 
You can be very religious and very lost. Now, at first glance, you kind of imagine this conversation unfolding. And Nicodemus is an upstanding man. He's, he's a religious man, and he's a great teacher of the law of God. And he knows his Old Testament better than most of us, or pretty much better than all of us, right? He memorized the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. He had a, a, an awareness of the content of the Old Testament. And so he should have been positioned to recognize who Jesus was. Out of anybody in all of Israel, Nicodemus should have knew who he was talking to. And Nicodemus says some good things about Jesus, right? Rabbi, he calls him a term of endearment there. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So you have a man who has given all sorts of accolades to Jesus. He's recognizing the supernatural in Jesus, but he doesn't have the supernatural going on inside of him. He's recognizing the supernatural in Jesus. We see your signs and your wonders. And verse 2 says, he's come from God, but only God only a man who's come from God could do the stuff that this guy's doing, right? That's what Nicodemus is saying to Jesus. And evidently, Jesus thinks he's got something more to learn. Jesus answers him and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't enter or he can't even see the kingdom of God. Why does Jesus say this to him? Jesus said all sorts of good things about, or I mean, Nicodemus said all sorts of good things about Jesus. And it goes to show you, you can be a religious person and you can say a lot of good things about Jesus and you can recognize he's a miracle worker and you can recognize that he can actually give you good teachings. But if you don't truly know who he is, and if you don't truly come to an awareness of your absolute desperate need for new life because your sin has totally wrecked you before God, separated you from God, and you've got no hope unless God does something in your life. Nicodemus had not yet thought that. He was born a Jew. He was trained a Jew. He was a rabbi. He was conservative. He had all the religious pedigree that you could want. And it wasn't enough. And many of us have probably grown up in church, right? And, and, and sometimes we can do this in cultural Christianity. I've grown up in church. I sung all the hymns. I got baptized. But something's wrong because you have no power to live the new life. Because you've never been born again. That can happen in a church that has good doctrine good theology, but you grow up in the milieu of hearing about Christian things, but you don't have the life of Jesus in you because you never saw yourself that desperate. You never saw yourself that lost. You never saw yourself that hopeless that Jesus has to make you alive. Have you been there? Have you gotten to that place? Whether you're six years old and God saves you and makes you alive and you come into the fullness of that maybe years later, or you're 40 
and you realize it? I loved hearing the testimony of Leslie because what it essentially meant was you can grow up in the church, you can be baptized, but if you don't know Jesus and if you haven't believed the gospel, then you're lost and you're dead in your sins and you need to be made alive. And you can be 40 and come to understand what Nicodemus failed to get so long ago. And Nicodemus thought he was saved. Can we, can we understand that? Nicodemus did not walk into his conversation with Jesus thinking he was lost. He was self-deceived. He's coming to Jesus to learn a little bit more about Jesus. This guy's a miracle worker. He seems to be a prophet. Maybe I can educate. I want to sit under the school of Jesus for a little bit and maybe learn a little bit more and add some more religious stew to my pot of religion and be dead still. Jesus wouldn't have it. He said, you need new life. You can't see it. You can't see the kingdom. You can't see salvation. You can't see what I want to do in your heart. I want to give you a heart transplant. Because the heart you got in there is like a granite brick and it's dead and you need life coming in. You need hope coming in. You need the Spirit of God to make you alive to see the things that you don't see. Why is it that when we share the gospel with people again and again and again and it seems to not work and then one day the light goes on and you're like, well, I said it 15,000 other times and they got it that time. It's because the life of God came in and opened their eyes. And they began to see upon hearing the gospel. And they began to believe at the same time. It's supernatural. Jesus is going to tell us it's, it's like the wind. You can't control the wind. We're going to get to that. I want to get ahead of myself. But this is what I want to say to us. I want us to hear this at Smithfield Baptist Church. Jesus wants us to know that we can come in to a Christian church. We can come in to hear good moral teaching. We can come in and be like, yeah, we're living conservative. The world is just all messed up. I've got my, my stuff going on. I'm not doing the stuff that the world is doing. I'm not endorsing the LBGTQ community. I'm not you know, having an abortion. I'm not getting a divorce. I'm not doing these things. And so I'm fine. And Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. I've come for the sinners, not for the righteous. Because Nicodemus, there ain't nobody righteous. And he was learning that in the school of Christ that day. It's not mere religion that we need. It's new life in Christ. And so that's how Jesus could get emphatic about it. Verse 3, look at it. He says, truly, truly. Remember we talked about that? Truly, truly is emphatic. He's shouting at us, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's blind. Being religious is not being regenerate. Being spiritual is not the same as being saved. Jesus taught very clearly that many 
would claim to follow him but be lost in judgment. Listen to his words. This is Matthew 7. This isn't my words. This is why we need new birth. Listen to it. Matthew 7, verse 21, the words of Jesus to us today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says they're a Christian, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you see that? Did you see what just happened there? I never knew you. Do you know Jesus truly? Do you know him? Do you, know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's what the new birth is calling for. It's, it's being born into something new. It's being born into a new relationship with God where you were separated from God and you were totally a corpse. And God goes, boom, and makes you alive. And then he takes you and begins to grow you and make you more like him. And he starts to just tear down idols in your life and totally tear out things that are ensnaring you and stuff that's just been pattern, habit patterns that you've been doing your whole life and you couldn't get rid of. And he starts doing those things in you because spiritual life has come in. That's what Jesus is about. And so it's not just about saying we know him but actually knowing him that Jesus is calling forth. As a pastor, I tremble before those kind of texts because I don't assume when I come up here, I don't assume everybody's a believer, right? I can't. I can't see hearts. I don't know. So I preach the word and I pray for the spirit to move. That's what I do. Right. And, and ultimately what I'm hoping for when we do evangelistic events and when we're well, I'm praying new life break in. When you talk to somebody about Jesus and you're wanting to see them come to know Christ, pray for new life to come in. Pray they're born again. So that's the question. When you look into any situation in your family, in your friendships, in your work networks, and you're trying to minister to somebody, the question is, does spiritual life reside in them? And have they become new because of Jesus? Point number two. Without new birth, we cannot be saved. Right? Without new birth, we cannot be saved. Without new birth, we got empty religion, that's all. Without new birth, we can't be saved. Jesus says it like five times in this text. Verse 3, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, truly, truly, unless one is born again, or unless one is born by water and spirit, he cannot enter. So seeing, entering the kingdom are the same thing. Verse 7, you must be born again. Verse 10, Jesus is calling Nicodemus out and saying, you don't understand these things and you're a teacher of Israel? Like, they're so vital. 
They're so connected. Now, here, here's where I want to back off a little bit real quick. You might be in here today and you're like, I've never really thought about the new birth. Like, I know I'm a Christian. The Spirit's working in my life. And, and, and I know that. Well, I'm just here to tell you, like, what Jesus is saying. Like, he's saying you were born again at some point. Okay? And if you don't have new life, if, the spirit, if you don't know Jesus and there's not spiritual realities going on in your soul, then the Bible says you're dead, lost, and in need of salvation. And Jesus is an exquisite physician who's able to diagnose our need. And he does it by telling us we need to be born again. Think about it. He's a good doctor. You walk into a doctor's office, right? And the doctor tells you, um, he examines you. He looks at you. You walked in with a headache. And he gives you two aspirin and says, you know, call me in the morning, see how you feel. Are you worried about that? Not really, right? The prescription means it wasn't really that big of a deal. But same doctor, you come in with the headaches, and he's like, ooh, I saw something there. Uh, let's do some CT scans. Let's look at that, okay? Or, or, or sits you down and says, we're going to need to do surgery. We're going to need to do brain surgery. Well, then that's a whole different thing, right? The gravity just went, that's, this is serious. Why? Because what he prescribed as the answer for your condition was so grave that you realized the gravity of it. And if Jesus is telling us and telling you and me, you need to be born again, that means we have a serious problem in the soul. And Jesus is walking into Nicodemus' life, reorienting him and saying, I have true hope for you. All the book learning, all the training, all the scholarship, all the religious accolades. Listen, I know, Nicodemus, you were picketing the abortion clinics. I know that you were uh, advancing the causes of, of, of life. I know that you were doctrinally sound. I know you're doing all these things. But one thing is needed. You're dead and you need to be made alive. Because your sin is that bad. It always gets to the crossroads when I'm in an evangelistic conversation. And you're trying to convince somebody how bad off they are. And you're like Jesus here. Jesus is, is, is saying to Nicodemus, like, it's that bad. It really is. Verse 6 says, you know, the flesh is going to give birth to flesh, right? Like, we are all spiritually stillborn into this world. Like, we're born physically, but we're born stillborn. And stillborns are dead. They can't do anything. You can't, you can't help a stillborn. Unless you're Jesus, and you can raise them up. What does Jesus do when Lazarus has been stinking in the tomb for days? And he looks out. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he rises up out of the grave in grave clothes. That's what happens when you preach the gospel. That's what happens when you point to the one who went to a cross 
for us. And you, you, you point to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son for you. Even though you're dead in your sins, He gave Him for you because He loves you. And He loves you so much that anybody who believes on Him isn't going to perish in everlasting judgment, but enter life. And then they're going to have new life to live a new way. Oh, that's gospel. Okay, that's, that's what Jesus is after. He's not after more religious performance. He's after new people. New people with new eyes and new hearts. And one day they're going to get resurrected in new bodies. And everything that decays in your life is going to be undone. And everything that is sad will become untrue. As one children's story put it. That's what Jesus is after when he talks to Nicodemus and he tells him, you've got to be born again. I love that Jesus just gets to the heart. He's not concerned about peripheral things, right? He's concerned with the heart. He looked on the masses of people and he had compassion. He just saw them. He's, it's like they're like sheep without a shepherd. And they're dead. And they're trying to live. And it's not going well. And I've got life for you. I've got new birth for you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying to Nicodemus. That's what he's saying to us. And it's just what has been said all along, all through scripture, right? Like... We might have spiritually flatlined in our sin, right? Everybody here who's born physically was born flatlined. And listen to what Ephesians 2.4 says needs to happen. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. This is about God's love for you. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. See that? He made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you have been saved. Do you see that? Like, we struggle with grace so much because we want to do something. We want to take the corpse and kind of move it around and poke it and do what we can. And, and, and you need to be made alive. It's by grace. It's by the preaching of the gospel and grace comes in and you begin to realize like, I'm that desperate, I'm that hopeless, I'm that lost and I just need to lay all of myself like a child. I need to come to God and say, Lord, rescue me. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe He died on a cross. I believe He was nailed to the tree for my sins and He rose up out of the grave three days later to give life. And if you get that and you believe that, Spiritual life is coming inside of you as you turn away from your former way of living and you come like a child and say, Lord, rescue me. Mm. That's good stuff. You enter. So flip verse five around. If you're born of water and spirit, you enter the kingdom of God, which is entering salvation. It's entering a relationship with God. It's coming to know Jesus. John chapter 17 and verse 3 says that. Go look it up later. So, you might stumble with this verse here. Verse 5. Well, born of water and spirit. Sometimes people say, oh, well, that means you've got to be baptized. 
and be born of the Spirit, right? Well, Nicodemus didn't know what Christian baptism was. Nobody got baptized as a Christian until after Jesus was resurrected. So he's not talking about that. Well, what is it? Is it that you need to be born physically? Some people say, well, you need to be born physically and spiritually. Well, he already said that which is born of flesh is flesh. So he's not talking about that. You've already been born of flesh, right? So what is this? Water and spirit, water and spirit. You need this. And if you're not born of water and spirit, you're not going to be saved. Because like produces like. Spirit gives you birth. Then you become a spiritual being. You become made alive to God. Listen to, we read it earlier, the words of Ezekiel. The one place in the Old Testament Jesus is pointing to brings the water and the spirit together and talks about new birth in terms of a spiritual heart transplant, okay? Like, we need a heart transplant. If our hearts are wicked and our hearts are dead, we need a heart transplant. So read it with me. Verse 25 of Ezekiel 36, the prophet says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. You got a sin problem, and from all your idols. You got an addiction problem, I will cleanse you from all of your idols and I will give you a new heart. Do you hate your wicked heart? Jesus is going to give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus is saying, I'm going to take your sinful heart. I'm going to take your broken heart. I'm going to take your corrupt heart. It's a heart of stone. It's like a granite. Ain't nothing happening there. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. A heart that's alive. A heart that's beating. And I'm going to clean you of your sin. And I'm going to clean you of your gook. And I'm going to clean you of your idolatry. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be working out the life of God in you until you get to heaven. And I'm going to help you obey my will. You're not going to hate my will anymore. You're going to love it. Oh, we need that. You need that. I need that. We all need that. When that happens, life comes in. Are we a spiritual tin man? Remember tin man, right? Wizard of Oz. He wanted a heart. He didn't have a heart. He wanted a heart. Jesus is like, I can take care of spiritual tin men, okay? And I can make them alive. That's what he's about. Point three. Without new birth, we will just strive in vain for salvation. We'll be spinning our wheels trying to do religion, okay? We need the saving wind of God to break in. Let's look at it, verse seven and eight, okay, together. Jesus says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, right? Nicodemus is like, uh, do I got to be born again? Do I got to climb up in my mother's womb? Do I got to like do something here? And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't marvel that I said be born again. Listen, I'm going to help you. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Now we've talked about the necessity of being born of the spirit. But Jesus just makes it emphatic. And 
Drop down to verse 36 of chapter 3 and, and listen to how important this is. We be, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. If we want to get the wrath of God removed and the condemnation of God removed and that ever-haunting specter of guilt removed out of our life, we have to get right with God. And it happens through the preaching of the gospel and the new birth converging as you trust in Jesus. All right, let's see that in verse 8. Because Jesus gives us another picture. If I can't make myself alive, well, then what gives? In verse 8, he says, well, it's like the wind. New birth is like the wind. You got a problem with your heart? You got a problem with deadness? You got a problem with corpseness? Well, new birth is like the wind, and the wind's going to blow where it wishes. Like Nicodemus, you can't control the wind. You can't control what the tornado's going to do, right? Just a few months back, it seems, we saw tornadoes rip through Kentucky, destroying all sorts of stuff. And you can't control that. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. It's just got a mind of its own. The wind has a mind of its own. But you can see its effects. And we saw it writ large over TV. Some of us went and visited the wreckage. And they're still dealing with the process of rebuild because the effects were clear. You couldn't see the wind. You couldn't control the wind. You couldn't harness the wind. The wind just does what it pleases. And the Spirit of God is like that. You can't, you can't control the Spirit of God. You cannot dictate to what the Spirit, what the Spirit should do. The Spirit is God. God's in control. And God breaks in. And God is powerful. And God moves. And it's a supernatural work. And so when He blows through, when His tornado comes through and gets up in your soul, He reorders things. He takes out the heart of stone and He puts in a heart of flesh. And you're alive. What happened? All of a sudden, I, I hated God. I'm running from God. I'm needling Christians. I'm in fights with Christians about little fine points of religion, and all of a sudden, I'm on my knees praying to God, like, save me, I believe, and I'm going up into the shop saying, in the Marine Corps, when I was fixing airplanes, hey, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, the tornado came. I didn't control it. God moved. The tornado came into your life, whether it's 6, 60, 80, Maybe the tornado, tornado needs to come now, and I pray it would come. I pray it would move. I pray it would hit you right now that I need God to work in me as I hear the gospel, and I want that transformation. And you know what? You can see the effects of what happens in a person's life, just like you can see what happens when the wind hits something. There is no, we need to get out of our heads a sort of Christianity that doesn't transform people, okay? Like, that's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He said you could see its effects. C.S. Lewis, the great Oxford Don and author of the Chronicles of Narnia, described his conversion like this. He got on a bus one day, and he did not believe in Jesus. He got on a bus. He 
did not believe Jesus was the Christ or the Son of the living God. He drives in that bus ride. And by the time the bus ride is over, he just realizes Jesus is Lord. Jesus died on a cross for my sins. Jesus' resurrection is real. Jesus was telling the truth. Now, he had had friends witnessing to him. J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, shared the gospel with him and a few others. And so he was wrestling with things, but he got on that bus ride dead and he came off alive because the wind of God broke into his life. And you say, well, what hope do I have for Smithfield? What hope do I have for Henry County? What hope do I have for the world out there that's just like going dark and getting worse and infected with all sorts of toxic, ungodly stuff? What hope do I have but the wind of God to blow in and do some things in souls? And we could be praying, Smithfield, like, like, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Bring life again. Do what you did to C.S. Lewis. Do what you did to me. Do what you did in the lives of the saints. When they were dead, they were brought to life spiritually. Ugh, the wind is blowing today. The wind is blowing. The wind of God is blowing. The question is, what do we do? as the people of God, knowing this is what Jesus teaches about what we need most desperately. If this is the most pivotal, one of the most pivotal chapters in the Bible, and it seems so foreign to us, and as we unfold it, it's like, well, we're just hopeless. I mean, if I can't do anything to get saved, then I'm stuck. Or... If I'm a Christian and I want to recognize, like, is this thing happening in me? What do I do? I'll just give you a couple things briefly, a couple minutes here. This is what we look for, and this is what we need to really marinate on. First, the new birth is on display when we believe and continue to believe in Jesus Christ. This is all from 1 John. So you read 1 John as some homework. 1 John 5.1. This is right here. This is scripture. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father has been born of him. So if you believe in Jesus and you love God... You've been born again. In fact, that's the whole point of the gospel. John's like, I wrote this so that you may believe. And by believing on the Son, believing that He's the Christ, you might have life in His name. John 1.12, he says, To all who have received Him, who have believed in His name, He gave the right or the power to become children of God, who were born not of the flesh, not of the will of man, not of, of the 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 mingling of a husband and a wife. You're not born into it physically, but you've got to be born of God by believing. Are you believing? Do you believe? Really? Truly? That's glorious. It all comes down to life being in the sun. And when we look to him in faith, life comes into you. 
We don't just want to see supernatural things in Jesus, it's been said, but we want to have supernatural things happening in us. That's Christianity. If you just see good things about Jesus, you can remain a scholar, but be dead. That's Nicodemus. I give you Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus gets saved from this encounter because later he's the one who helps bury Jesus' body in a tomb. And he's the one talking to the Sanhedrin saying, hey, you better like think about this Jesus guy. There's something going on there. He was a disciple. He was born again. We don't know how it happened. It's like the wind. It just blew in. And all of a sudden, he's changed by the end of the book. Well, that's what John wants to happen to us. Have you gotten there so, so desperate that you finally said, I will believe in the Son of God. I don't want to rescue myself. I need him to rescue me. I can't rescue myself. But Jesus can. Second thing, the new birth is demonstrated in you as you overcome the allure of worldliness and the power of God begins to change your life. When you fight against sin, you're demonstrating you've been born again. The presence of the fight is the presence of faith. John, 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You want to be an overcomer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then John's going to say, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And you know how you get unstuck from demonic power? You need new life. When the tornado of God blows into your life, you're changed forever. But that same power that saved you is the power that energizes your walk for Jesus. You've got resurrection power in your life if you're a Christian. And when you tap into what it means to be born again, you begin to live a different way. When you realize what happened to you, that's sweet. Now only God knows where we're truly at. He can see our hearts. And he bears witness. There's many other marks. Do you love the believers? Do you love the gospel? Do you love to share the gospel? There's all sorts of things in 1 John we'll get to in the weeks to come. But I want you to diagnose your heart real quick. Where are you at before God? Do you desperately need new life? Have you come to a place where you finally said, I surrender all. And I believe this because God's doing something inside. And I need that new heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this gospel. And I thank you for this good news that Nicodemus gets. Lord, we're going to explore more of it as the, week, the weeks unfold. But Lord, we, we're clear on one thing today. That without new life, we have no hope. That without new life, we're just left with empty religion. That without new life, Lord God, we're still in our sins. 
And I just pray for those in here today who might be there right now and they're recognizing like, I need God. I need God. I'm desperate and I need God and I need the awakening. I need the spiritual life coming into my life. And I actually am willing to put my trust in him. And maybe that's you. I just encourage you to raise your hand and I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, if God is speaking to you and you feel like that's me, I need life. I need help. I need hope. Maybe you just have forgotten what it means to be born again. And you've lived so powerlessly because you haven't tapped into who you are in Christ. Maybe you sense like I need to be reawakened to these truths. If that's you, raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. The Lord's doing a work in your heart. You're like, hey, I, I just need to get this more in my soul. Father, I just pray right now, wherever we're at, Holy Spirit, blow in this place. Motivate and encourage us. Strengthen and sustain us. Grip us by this passage. And we're reminded how it ends. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what the good news does. It brings life into the soul. Father, would you do that in each and every heart that does not yet know that truth? And in all that do, may we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.